Hello, and welcome to episode 210 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. A warm welcome to Ashley R., Megan B., Corey R., and Stephanie D. to The Modern Manager membership. We are building a community of managers who are committed to investing in themselves and supporting each other. When you join, you get a community of folks to ask for advice when you're facing a challenging situation, to celebrate wins with when you're super proud, and to share your advice and favorite resources so others can learn from you. Check out membership options at themodernmanager.com join. And if you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you get 20% off of any membership level. Today's guest is Sabrina Horn. Sabrina is an award-winning CEO, author, communications expert, and advisor. Her career is highlighted by 25 years as founder, CEO, and president of Horn Group, the iconic U.S. tech communications agency she founded in Silicon Valley at age 29. She is currently CEO of Horn Strategy, focused on helping entrepreneurs navigate the early stages of their companies. And Sabrina is the author of Make It, Don't Fake It, Leading with Authenticity for Real Business Success. Sabrina and I talk about some of the topics she covers in her book. We get into imposter syndrome, how to be appropriately authentic, how to overcome your inner critic fears by acting as if, and more strategies for being real and amazing as a boss. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sabrina. This is a topic I haven't covered in a long time, so I'm excited to dive in on these ideas of authenticity and imposter syndrome because they are things that I feel like every manager struggles with at some point, if not like daily in their journey of trying to lead a a group of people. Well, Mamie, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I mean, those are topics that are near and dear to my heart. I dealt with those throughout my career, and so I'm excited to talk with you today. So let's start with this idea of authenticity, right? Like, especially because there's been so much talk over the past couple of years about bringing your authentic self to work and, you know, being your full self. And I feel like that is really hard for managers for so many reasons. So can you share a little bit about like, why is it so hard for us to be authentic? And and why is it so important that we still stretch ourselves into kind of showing up authentically? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a great place to start. I think that it's hard to be our true selves because there are so many filters that we have to navigate in business, in our personal and professional relationships. And being authentic, being honest, is can be a scary thing, right? We don't know Uh, how to phrase things. We're afraid of confrontation. We're afraid of being vulnerable and exposing ourselves, right? We're insecure. And so it's easy to just sort of wear this mask or to say things that we've heard other people say or say what we think we, you know, we've been told or heard. The bottom line is that sometimes it's, it's hard to be authentic because it's hard to face the harsh truth of, of the reality of the situation. It's, you know, it's easier to fake it <laughs> um, and um, shove it under the rug or pretend it doesn't exist or 
you know, exaggerate or minimize the situation. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about a client that I'm working with right now who literally said to me almost exactly where you did, which is, I feel like I have to put on my work mask every day so that I don't like offend people because of the way that I, you know, think or talk that, you know, doesn't jive in this culture. And I said to him, how long do you think you can do that before you're going to like burn out and feel like a disingenuous like connection? Like you can't, you think you can really do this for like the next year, two, three years? And he was like, oh, I never really thought about that. Right. But like we cannot go through the motions every day of trying to be someone that we're not or try to like be someone for other people. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's you, it's not sustainable, right? It's, um, it's not sustainable in a personal relationship with somebody that you're dating or married to, like, you know, it's not a recipe for any successful relationship. Because, you know, you, you're either you will lose it and implode, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You can't, you can't be fake all day. Like, as humans, unless there's a deep psychological problem, right? You can't be someone else part of your life and then a different person, the other part of your life. I think that's the technical term for that is called schizophrenia. So it's like this constant struggle though, right? Between how real can I really be? And the truth of the matter is that the more real you can be and find that comfort zone in that space, the more powerful and effective of a manager and leader you can actually be. One of the things I I always like to say is like being authentic and being honest is a great strategy right now because it's so unique. (laughs) Like we've just kind of lost touch with how to do that because we're so influenced by, you know, these visions of influencers, for example, on Instagram and being who, what these other people represent to us rather than being true to ourselves. So you had this great model in your book, and I, I feel like this is a good place to go on these like levels of faking it because there's, you know, like the stuff we post on Instagram, you know, in our own lives is like, it's the, it's not totally faking it. It's like the best version of ourselves, right? With, you know, kind of we show up at work and we want to be like the best version of ourselves. And so we try to put this like shiny foot forward. And that's different than other forms of maybe faking it. So can you walk us through this model of kind of degrees of of authenticity or kind of degrees of faking? Yeah, sure. I call it the fakeometer. <laughs> and when I was writing my book, I was coming up with all these different examples of the ways that people fake it. And I had to put it in buckets and then I plotted it out on like a continuum from what is innocent and like truly forms of just self-help. Like for example, acting as if it is actually something that was developed in cognitive behavioral therapy where, you know, you wish you were more confident. So you practice the behaviors that you wish you could exude until you sort of assume them and you and you actually do become more confident. And that that's totally fine. Like that's self-help. Just like, you know, if you go to a meeting and you want to wear black or red because you feel more powerful in it or power posing, um, for example. But then you kind of go to crossing the line to when you are faking it and that that is when 
you are doing and saying things at the expense of others for personal gain. So for example, exaggerating the truth to a, an investor to get capital for your project. Uh, you know, you, you're exaggerating the truth about what your product can do or your technology, or you are overpromising to a prospect because you need to make your number as a salesperson. Or lying on your resume is one of the most common ways that people people fake it. And then from there we go to minimizing the truth, right? Like my daughter comes home and says, yeah, I came home and I parked the car and I turned off a light. And But actually what happened was that she hit the garage coming in and broke off a headlight. And so therefore the light turned off, right? That's sort of minimizing the situation. Um, and then there's another even more egregious form of faking it called selective truth telling, kind of similar to the example I just gave. That was very evident in the Boeing Air Max disaster. And then we have like just total outright fraud and deception, which we saw in the case of Elizabeth Holmes, the former CEO of Theranos. So, uh, you know, so that's the spectrum, right? Most of us live in sort of to the left of center. We're experimenting with what can I just get away with in this one meeting to like get the next meeting or get the interview or maybe get the job. So, but the, of course, the danger in all of that is the truth always comes out. The employer will fact check, you know, your credentials and find out that you actually did not go to Harvard Business School or the investor will look under the hood and discover that, in fact, your product doesn't do what you said it does. I love this spectrum. And I, what I appreciate about it is that the space for wiggle room around kind of stretching the truth is actually very narrow, right? Like yeah. it sounded mm -hmm. like there was only like, you know, there's the acting as if, which I want to dive into a little more. And then there's like, uh, maybe there's like a little bit more wiggle room beyond that. But then we're really just in the world of like, of not being authentic, of like, of not being honest, of not being, <laughs> showing up appropriately to build relationships, to you know, run our business to run our teams, et cetera. Like that window is really narrow. I'm actually like, I was surprised by that. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, the challenge is if you do it once, right? Like you tell one lie, then you have to cover that up with another lie. And then, you know, ultimately what happens is in extreme cases, it starts to consume you and you, you sort of end up faking it all the time. And then, of course, the risk is that you will be exposed. Somebody will call you on it. And that little dream comes crashing down and that bubble is, is burst. And right and for some people, that means, right, it's a setback. But in, in other cases, it can ruin reputations. It can bring your whole team or your company down. You know, the higher you go, um, the harder you fall, so to speak. So you know, all of us, we kind of fake it here and there every day. And, you know, people say like, how are you? Well, okay. I have a splitting headache. I didn't sleep well last night. Right. But I'm not going to share that. Right. I'm going to say I'm fine. You know, let's, let's move on. Right. So like, is that faking it? No, it, it's, it's, it's just getting through the day. There's, there's no harm in that. Right. You're, 
you're not affecting anybody else. If it was your, if it was your spouse or perhaps, you know, your partner in life, like, yeah, like, honey, I feel terrible today. (laughs) Right. You know, so, so we choose the people in the situations where we feel comfortable being honest and, and where it's useful to be honest and, or where it's useful to just like, okay, you know, hi, how are you? I'm fine. Great. Let's, let's move on. Do you know what I'm saying? Completely. And, you know, it makes me think a little bit about the role of imposter syndrome in terms of Mm -hmm. like, when, when is that little voice inside us saying like, "Mm, you're like stretching yourself, you're stretching the truth, you're stretching like, "Eh, don't do that. And when is it actually just us being too critical of ourselves and actually it's it's okay to like sometimes feel like oh my gosh am i do i am i really capable of this should i really be saying these things should i really be signing up for this should i like who am i to be leading these people right i hear it from a lot of first time managers like i just got promoted i'm like i don't know what i'm doing but like i can't let my team know i don't know what i'm doing and right like there's a lot of that where it's you know that concept of do i just kind of go with it because it's not really hurting anybody or do i need to like say something about this so that I'm not totally faking it or being inauthentic. Yeah. So imposter syndrome is a very, very interesting and popular topic. The classic definition, and there are many definitions, but the classic one is that you have achieved a certain level of success. You've been promoted or you've moved to a different job, moving up, right? And you suddenly feel like you don't deserve the success that you've achieved that you'll be exposed for being a fraud and that really, you know, everything that you've earned, you got by good luck or good fortune or because someone handed it to you. And it does affect more women and minorities, but it it does also affect men. And it affects, I have something like 80% of overachievers, which is pretty much everybody in your audience, (laughs) Um, you know, who, who wants to be a leader and a manager. And so The problem with imposter syndrome is that it can actually really hold you back, right? It can shatter your confidence and create so much self-doubt that it prohibits you from actually being successful in this new role. I can give you an example. A young man that I'm mentoring right now came from the school of hard knocks, put himself through college, you know, really difficult personal family situation growing up. And He's got a full ride through college and now he's gotten this incredible internship and he's going to be doing some work abroad. And he started off in this new scenario, kind of like not rising to the occasion and not engaging and because he felt he didn't deserve it. You know, he felt like this is too good to be true. Like people have all these expectations of me. I don't know if I can live up to it. And so you retreat into this position of, of like, okay, well, I'm, I'm just going to stay back here. And so that was imposter syndrome and the way to fight it. Okay. The way to fight it and get rid of it is first of all, to acknowledge that it is a real thing. Um, It does exist. And it happens when you're moving up in the world and there's new and unfamiliar surroundings and people around you. So what do you do? You literally sit down and write down or even better, like record and then play it back to yourself what you have achieved. Like read your resume out loud to yourself and how you got there. And that's very self-validating. 
Secondly, I like to do something I call watching myself in my own movie. So if there is like a really big meeting where there's all these new people and people think that I'm going to walk in and like, Hey, the show's going to start like, <laughs> and there's all this pressure, right? I picture myself, I'm the director behind the camera and I'm in the movie playing the leading role. And how do I want to see myself? What am I saying? Who's in the meeting? Who, who am I looking at? What am I wearing? What are the points I want to make? And that sort of pre-imagining the situation in my head helps me take the anxiety out of actually being in that moment. Um, and then lastly, you know, there's other things, but one third thing that I think is really useful is when you're in a new situation, you want to pre-game. And what I mean by that is like, hey, you know, how can we be successful? When they're pointing, putting everything on you, it's like, yeah, you know, I really thank you for that. But like, we're all in this together and I'm going to need you guys, all of you as a team to move the needle forward on this, this topic or this strategy. Tell me what your expertise is. How can I help you? How can we help each other? And that kind of takes the heat off of you and kind of spread, spreads the energy to the broader group to, to problem solve together, which is, of course, right, what every manager, every great manager should do in the first place, right, is unify a team to achieve results. I love, I mean, I love all these strategies, and I particularly love this last one because the, it actually is doing what everybody wants, right? Like the team wants to be involved and and engaged and supporting each other and bringing their expertise and seen as a valuable player, right? Like we have this idea often that we have to be a perfect manager or that we need to know how to lead the team or we need to be whatever it is so that our mm -hmm. team can like have the right direction and the right inspiration and the right motivation and the right, all those things. And so often like that's just all in our, in our own heads. And really, as you're saying, what people want is to just be part of the discussion. So opening it up and saying, hey, like this is going to be a tough project. Let's figure it out mm -hmm. together as opposed to, you know, the faking it version of like, all right, we got this. I know exactly what we're doing. And then feeling like, oh, my gosh, what did I get myself right, into? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, like like it's for the privilege of being a manager and being promoted and being a leader. Right. You have to you have to navigate your way out of those situations to help yourself address the situation or the the strategy or the problem, right? It's, we lose when we think it's all on us. Like as a manager, your responsibility is to conduct the orchestra. Everybody plays an instrument. You have to tell them how to play it or when to chime in or that we need another trombone player, you know, or we don't need that many drums, right? That's, that's your job as a manager and not just don't forget about the delegation aspect of your, of your role and of your power. So, you know, that's very liberating and it really can dispel that this notion that it's all on you and that you're the great white hope and you're, you know, going to solve everybody's problems. Like, no, it's, just, it's not, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. All right. I want to go back to this idea of acting as if and the kind of self-help mm -hmm. approach that comes from just doing things that, you know, you wish you were the kind of person who just already did them. And so you kind of just do them. 
I'm wondering if there are a couple of examples of other behaviors that like, these are great things for managers to do. Like, even if it doesn't feel natural for you, or even if it feels a little scary to do, but you know, like you're the kind of person that, like you wish you were the kind of person that just had that or did that. Mm-hmm. You know, are, do you have some good examples of what those behaviors might be? Uh, yes, I do. And how to go about it. If you are newly promoted manager, you've been asked to take on like another group or integrate with another department or something. And it's a lot to take on. And, you know, there's some people who may not embrace you, you know, as, as much as you would hope or what, whatever. There's politics in every sort of situ- situation. And so how do you navigate that without faking it? Think about the strategy behind like where you are today and where you want to be, say, six months from now, right? And then you work your, your way back. What are the actions that you need to take? How do you need to come across? What are the skills that you honestly need to, to learn in order to, to lead, lead your team? And then you role play. So, right, you want to practice the behaviors you wish that you could exude, right? And own them and really feel them, like make them a part of you. And um, I like to role play with somebody, like practice a pretend situation where there's a maybe a, a person who's reporting to you that is older than you, that, you know, there's some maybe some friction there, right? And so you practice with another person that particular situation. How do you want to sound? What are you saying? And then record it, play it back, and then tweak it. Like, wow, I didn't, I didn't really come across very assertive there. Let me try that again. The second technique I, I like to use is well, it's actually being humble. It is um, inviting others to talk more rather than you leading the conversation. So tell me more about that. That's that's a really interesting point. You have so much experience in this area. Please I, I, tell me more about your perspective there. I'm really interested in your point of view. And by getting the other person to talk, right? It's It's not necessarily acting you may be incredibly annoyed with this person. And so maybe, you know, it is acting, but in order to have a collaborative relationship that accomplishes things, right. It's, it's okay to show some vulnerability and some humility and, and kind of like pop the bubble by, and just inviting more conversation. And, and that can actually make you feel more confident because then you have more information from this person. You know more about what your next steps might be. And who knows, you might break the ice and, and have a better relationship with that person. I, I love these examples. And, you know, a couple other I'll throw into the mix because, you know, one that is, I feel like I'm constantly doing that, like faking it behavior. Like I wish I was the kind of manager that just like, you know, desire, like just checked in with people randomly and like would, you know, kind of be curious enough to know how my team is doing where like I would just think about them randomly and send them a Slack message or, you know, just reach out by email. That's not how I function. And my team knows that. But occasionally I will, I will you know, kind of try to embody the kind of manager who just thinks about their team members. And I even cheat sometimes by like, writing myself little notes on my to-do list to like reach out to a colleague today just to check in because I sometimes need that Mm -hmm. little bit of help. But to me, like that's, I think, another 
space of what are the behaviors that that good managers do or that you, right. know, you you know your team members really appreciate where it may not feel natural to you or authentic to you, but it's actually a good thing to stretch yourself into and to find the ways to do those behaviors and have them not feel so, you know, odd or off or scary, right? But to just do them enough times to the point where they do become part of just how you function. Yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying. Like, do you really care about these people? Like you've got other things to do and, oh, I don't really want to do that. But the fact of the matter is you have to do that. That is part of being a good manager. It has to become part of your repertoire. You do need to care. And, you know, whether it's birthday cards or work anniversaries or, you know, every month or two months or whatever it is, take that person out for coffee or for lunch and put your, like, put yourself in their shoes. Like what they're telling you and what their life is really like, maybe two completely different things and you have nothing to lose and everything to gain by going through and behaving in this way, right? If you don't do it, if it, if like, if it's totally fake, it's, it's, going to fall on deaf ears and it'll actually set you back further. But this is part of the job of being a good manager, of caring about people. And at this time, at this moment in our lives, in the world, that is so incredibly much more important. This notion of inclusivity and of caring and of being empathetic, it is a requirement of managers today. So unfortunately, we are nearing the end of our time together. So Sabrina, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fantastic boss? Yes, I sure can. Uh, Her name is Maureen Blanc. She's the co-founder of an agency that I worked for in my 20s called Blanc and Otis. They were a tech PR boutique agency. And she had the most incredible work ethic, but her integrity set the bar for me as an example of how to be a leader, a a female leader in business, a business that was 90% male in the tech industry. And she always called it like she saw it. And she knew that there would be consequences. Like, you know, you give a client tough feedback or you call BS on what they're saying and maybe they don't like it. Maybe you lose that revenue, but you can put your head on the pillow at night and sleep well and know that you did the right thing. She was awesome. She is awesome. And I learned so much from from her as I built and grew my own company. Sounds like an awesome lady. And yes. where can people where can people learn more about you and keep up with your work? Sure. So um, I have a website. It's very simple. It's sabrinahorn.com. You can find out about some of the consulting work and leadership coaching that I'm doing as well as find out more about my book and order a copy if you're so inclined. Awesome. And can you remind us what the title of your book is? Yes, it's um, it's Make It, Don't Fake It, Leading with Authenticity for Real Business Success. Awesome. Thank you so much again for joining us today. Thank you, Mamie. I had a blast talking with you. Thank you so much. Sabrina is offering five free signed copies of her book, Make It, Don't Fake It, to members of the Modern Manager at the Sprout level and above. To be eligible, become a member at themodernmanager.com slash join.
All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter, along with the episode transcript each week. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.